0: All right, get signed up for that. And then uh, I just want to introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, I said that he was a guest, but he's not a guest. He's family. He's been a part of uh, the Grace family for over 25 years, as best I can figure. Uh, brother Rob has served all over the country. They uh, have a home in Malaysia. They have a home here in St. Clair Shores. They have kids that live in Denver. They have kids that live in other places that we're not allowed to talk about. Um, but they uh, have had a huge impact in the mission world. Uh, I say this with no exaggeration at all, but Rob and May's work with the business's missions has changed uh, the way missions is done globally. Uh, He is a pioneer and he is a prolific author, speaks all over the world, and we are blessed to have him here to uh, share the word with us today. But would you welcome our friend, Brother Rob? Thanks, man.
1: Love you. Love you too.
0: Happy birthday.
1: I'm excited. How many of you love parties? All right. We're talking about a party today. It's Jesus' party. I am excited. I mean, this is one of the best weeks of the year, right? Absolutely. You know, not only Christians, but even non-Christians seem to be nicer, right? That's tremendous. As most of you know, I'm not a preacher, I'm a business person, so I'm going to start off with a commercial. The first commercial that I want to share is the Detroit B4T, that's Business for Transformation Expo, is going to be here in Grace Church. I think I shared this with you in November when I uh, spoke last, but um, the point is, the Open Network is the organization the Lord led me to birth Many, many years ago. And we have a conference every year in the United States. And this is the first time it's going to be held in Detroit. And it's going to be held in this church. And I am really excited about that as well. Because these are my two tribes in life. You know, the Open Network and Grace Community Church. And so I really hope both my families are going to come together and celebrate and just have a great time learning about the integration of faith and work. And that's the second commercial I want to share. I uh, completing my most recent book. It's called Workship. And it's available out at the reception desk. For you guys, it's just $10. I mean, that's, you know, so I want you all to get it. I want you all to read it. And that'll give you a good understanding of the biblical basis and Understanding the parable of the sower and why it's important and how to sow seed on hard soil, difficult soil. If you work in a place where it's hard to share your faith, you don't know how to express the love of Jesus, this book will give you some pointers and tips. And at the B4T Expo, there'll be parts of my family, the Open Network, coming literally from around the world, and they'll be sharing their stories. Um, It'll be a great time, and we're going to have a great time today as we remember Jesus' birthday, right? Father, we thank you for the blessing of your son. Wow. To think of all that just was wrapped in that manger. Love and truth, peace and joy, eternal life, a death, a resurrection, Who knew? But thank you. And so now as we get into talking about some of these things, I pray that you would come and release your Holy Spirit in each of us, through each of us, that we would listen with your ears and open our hearts to receive what we need to apply as we strive to be one with you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share from Matthew chapter 2. And I use the New International Version, but I'm just going to read the text from Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the king who is born of the Jews? We saw his star on the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. All of Jerusalem with him was disturbed. And so he called together the chief priests and the teachers and asked, "Where is this Christ to be born?" In Bethlehem in Judea they replied, "For this is what the prophet has written: You, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah; for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. For as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother married. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Who were the very first people to attend Jesus' birthday party? Shepherds. Shepherds. You're all whispering it, yes. The shepherds. shepherds, all right? God sent an invitation in the form of an angel to say, hey, you guys got to come. Let's get this party going. Who are the second people God invited? The Magi. The Magi. Now think about this. The shepherds, poor. The Magi, rich. The shepherds, uneducated, most likely. The Magi, very educated. The shepherds are Jews. The Magi are Gentiles. Most commentators believe that the Magi came from either Persia or from Arabia. And I did a little research. Minimally, they traveled at least 300 miles across the desert on camels. Minimally. Could be five or 600 miles that they traveled. At least three weeks, probably six weeks that they traveled to get there. Gentiles are among the first people to worship Jesus But this fits because we know that the scriptures say that the Son of God is to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of the people of Israel. He is the Messiah of all people. And right from the beginning, he's being worshipped by all people. This is who he is. This is who he comes for. But today, most of Persia and most of Arabia is Muslim. The peoples who my wife and I have been working with for years. In the open network, we have over a 100, well, exactly 126 businesses working in Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist areas. And through our work, shining forth Jesus' light into these communities, seeing churches planted, seeing people come to faith. Just this week, it's been exciting. I've gotten emails from Turkey. I've gotten emails from Bahrain. And I just got one this morning. Um, from uh, Central Asia, where they're talking about people who have come to faith this week. I mean, it's just so neat what God is doing. But as I think about this passage, and as I think about reaching Muslims, and as I think about reaching Detroit and St. Clair Shores and Gross Pointe and this area, we have to think about Jesus, the reason for the season, and it's his birthday What are you giving Jesus for his birthday? In my family, we've had a tradition when our boys were small. Every Christmas, there's be a present for Jesus. Something that we're going to do as a family. Or once, I guess, as individuals. Or something we're going to give as a family. To bless the Lord. To bless The community in the Lord's name or to bless the church in the Lord's name. And so the question is, it being Jesus' birthday, what are you going to give to Jesus? In looking at this passage, I see four steps that are essential or part of the Magi's journey in coming to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And so I want to share these four steps and then a story from my own life and work that relates. The first step is found in verse 2 where it says, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The emphasis here is desire. They saw the star and then they got up, loaded all their baggage for a three to six week trip, Loaded gifts for whoever it was they were going to be meeting and followed that star. They took the initiative because they had a desire. It starts with a desire, a hunger in our hearts for Jesus, a hunger to know him. Multiple times it says in scripture, if you seek me, you will find me. We have to initiate and that's the first step. The second step is, I see in verse 4, when he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where was the Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem of Judea. What did the Magi do when they didn't know where to go? Is they studied the scriptures. When we don't know where to go, when we don't need to know what to do, what do we need to do? study the scriptures because in the scriptures there's truth there's life there's direction and so they took time to study the scriptures where are we to go and they learned that they're to go to Bethlehem are we taking the time to invest in the scriptures is this something we can give to Jesus this year Bible reading, increase our Bible reading or read the whole Bible or something like that as a gift. Or Bible study, join this study that we'll be doing, help me again with the name. Devotional Healthy Relationships Relationships would be an example of something we can give to Jesus. Or study a person in the book. I know next year I'm planning to study the life of Moses. Memorizing a passage Once a week, or once a month, or memorizing a whole chapter. What is something you can give from the scriptures to Jesus? Because our time is one of the things that we can give. And time also includes prayer. What can we do that's more prayerful? How can we increase our time in prayer? Can I increase giving a minute or three minutes a week to pray for the church, or the activities of the church, or the things that God is doing in our life and work? These are very practical things that the Magi did in seeking Jesus. And then we come to the next step. In the next step I see in verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now picture the scene. Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable area, in every not every, but many of the homes in those days had a stable area attached to the house, very similar to our garages. But now Jesus is in a house. He's obviously moved out and they found a place to stay and I think it's because the shepherds lived in Bethlehem and they knew what was going on and one of them probably said, hey man, you can stay in my house. And so they moved into this house. Did the Magi know where this house was? Absolutely not. But God knew. And so the star reappeared. The star that had been in the east where they came from was now over Bethlehem, which is actually to the south. It's like God gave them their own little GPS on how to get there without the annoying voice. And directs them and guides them to the very home where Joseph and Mary and Jesus are staying. They walk by faith. They see the star and they trust the star. They trust the scriptures. When we plan things, you know, we make up our own minds to do things. One of my life verses is Proverbs sixteen nine. It says, a man's mind plans his way. I plan my way. I've got all kinds of plans. I've got all kinds of ideas, but... The Lord directs his steps. The Lord directs my steps. Because I don't know how many times I make plans that don't happen the way I think they're going to happen. You know the old show, The A-Team? I love that movie because it will always end. I love it when a plan comes together. I just think that's kind of our lives, isn't it? Because God has a different way, a different path for us. But we have to trust him. We have to walk in faith with him. And the fourth step In verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. The fourth step is to worship. What does that mean to worship? Yes, what we're doing here this morning is worship. But as I share in the book, worship, everything that we do is worship. And I show throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament why this is true. God does not distinguish between jobs, whether you're a custodian or a teacher, whether you're a lawyer or an IT worker, whether you work at home or you work in an office, whatever we do is worship unto God. Colossians 3.23 is just one of many verses that says, whatever you do, work at it heartily as serving the Lord and not people. Everything is worship according to the Bible. And these magi were very, very wise because they humbled themselves before the child Jesus. They give him gifts. They don't come to the birthday party empty-handed. They don't come just to bless themselves. And as I shared, giving comes in many forms. Time is one of them, but money is another way that we give. That we bless others. So the voyage of the Magi required four steps a desire, studying his word, walking by faith, and worship. When we started our first business in Southeast Asia, the first person I hired, her name is Sue. And when I hired anybody, I would tell them that we run our business according to the principles of the Bible. And if that's a problem for you, you do not want to work for us. And over the years, we've had a lot of Muslims work for us, some Buddhists and some Hindus. Sue had worked for us a few days and I asked her to put together a marketing plan as we're starting the business, how to promote the company in our services in the community. She worked on it for about a week and then she came to me with a manila folder, with a plan. This was pre-personal computer days. How many of you can remember those days? A few of you. And she gave me the plan and she said, well, read this through and let me know what what I should do. And I said to her, well, let me pray about it and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. And she looked at me like, what? But that was that. And I made it my habit that whenever anybody asked me for a decision on anything... I would say to them, let me pray about it. And then I'll tell you what we're going to do. It became a joke in our office. People come up to me and say, hey, Rob, I got something for you to pray about. Meaning they wanted the decision. And they would laugh and they would joke amongst one another because they thought it was kind of silly. Sue had worked for us then exactly one year. She had seen how I tried to model love I tried to model truth in the things that we did. I would help, you know, clean the floor, clean the toilet. We'd have parties. We'd give bonuses. We'd do lots of things to try to build people up. And after one year, exactly one year, she had been an excellent manager. She opened the office every morning at 8.30 30. I would usually come at 8.45, but on this particular day, I arrived at 8.45, and everybody's standing outside. Where's Sue? Again, no cell phones, no way to find out. So I let everybody in, and at about 9 o'clock, Sue came running in a little discombobulated, sat down at her desk. I went over to her, and I said, Sue, what's the matter? She said, nothing. I said, no, come on, what's the matter? You've never been late. What happened? And she said, well, Ian is sick. Ian was her 8-year-old son. I said, oh, that's terrible. Now, one of the things that we do in our office as well is when there is a problem is we ask, can we pray for that? Some funny stories around that, but I'm going to stick to Sue here for the sake of time. And so Sue said, yes, please. And so I prayed for Ian, her son. And after I prayed, I said, amen. And I started to walk out of the office. And she, or God put a thought in my head. And I turned to her. And I said, so Sue, who's taking care of Ian? And um, she just was silent. I said, so is your, did your your husband stay home from work? And she said, no, he has a big project he's working on. So did your mother come and take care of Ian? No, she's out of town. And in our culture, you would never have a stranger take care of your kids. You would never have a non-relative take care of your kids. They just are not babysitters. And so I pressed and I said, so who's taking care of Ian. And seeing that I wasn't going anywhere, she said, nobody. I said, so Ian's home alone and he's sick? Yes. I said, Sue, you need to go home and take care of Ian. She said, I can't. I said, well, yeah, you can. I'm giving you permission. Go ahead and go home. She's like, no, I can't. I said, Sue, it's okay. Just go ahead and go. She said, I can't. And I said, Sue, I don't understand. Why can't you? And she said, yeah, I know you don't understand. The issue is this. You have made me the manager of everything and everybody looks to me as the boss i've used all my sick leave i've used all my vacation if i go home and cheat on the system everybody else will expect to be able to cheat on the system too i said to her sue okay i understand that you can go home i'll explain she said no i can't we went back and forth. Yes, you can. No, I can't. We did literally five times. And finally, I said to her, Sue, if you don't go home right now, I'm going to fire you. She looked at me. She said, You wouldn't dare. Sue, you know I always keep my word. She picked up her purse and she ran out the office. Ian was very sick. He had a 104, degree temperature. He was in the hospital nine days. But every day, my wife and or myself visited Ian and, you know, we'd pray for him and bring him, you know, a chocolate or something to encourage him. And of course, Sue saw that. Sue had worked for us about another year. She was a good two, two and a half years into working with us. One day I asked her to do something and I could see she looked at me kind of funny, but then she went out of the office and about 15 minutes later, she came back into the office Was one of the... Uh, team members who was uh, from the West uh, a Christian and um, his name is Dave and Dave said did you ask Sue to do this and I said yes and he said do you know that's illegal here I like, what it's illegal here yes I said Sue is it illegal she said yes I said well why didn't you tell me and she's like well you're the boss we do what you say and I said, but you know we don't do anything illegal. She said, yeah, I know. That's why I was conflicted. I didn't know what to do. And asked Dave, what should I do? Well, I'm glad that you did that. But Sue, I know you don't understand this, but I, in my book, it teaches us that if I ask somebody to do something that's against the law, that's a sin. And I have sinned against you and I've sinned against my, my God Would you please forgive me for that? And she immediately turned around and walked out. I called her back. I said, Sue, I know you don't understand this, but it is very important to me that I know you forgive me. Again, she turned and walked out. Third time, called her back. I said, Sue, this is really, really important. And so she literally goes, I forgive you. And she runs out of the office. Now, if you're Asian, you understand what happened there, but most Americans don't, aren't Asian. What happened is she's trying to save my face because in the Asian culture, you never embarrass somebody who's over you in authority. She was trying to protect me from humiliating myself. That is the way the culture works. But she forgave me. A couple of more months went by. She'd worked with for us almost three years at this point. And at the end of every month, on the 29th or the 30th, Sue and I would go down to a Japanese restaurant. It's in our building. And they know us well and they give us a little kind of cubicle off to the side. And we work there literally two or three hours, and we go through all of our employees. You know, and we discuss them. Who needs more training? Who needs a raise? Who needs a bonus and other things related to our employees? We go through them all. And in walking through the list on this particular day, we came to one of our employees named Ramat. And Sue said, we need to fire Ramat. And I said, no, I think we need to give him more training. And she said, well, look, we've given him this training. We give him this training. We give him that training. And he just isn't performing up to standards. We need to fire him. And I said, Sue, I think we need to extend to Rama some grace. And she says to me, you Christians and your grace. And I said, Sue, you know what grace is? She said, yeah, you've told me it's when you do something for somebody and they don't deserve it. I said, well, yeah, that's kind of right. But I shared with her again the grace of Jesus. And this is how you know how good an evangelist I am because at the end of that discussion she said, can we get back to work now? (laughs) I tried. So we got back to work. We finished the list of people. I went upstairs and as we always do, at the end of the month, before computers, I sign. I write out everybody's check. And so I'm writing out the checks and I come to Sue's name. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, give her a bonus. Now, Usually when we give bonuses, it's about $10, equivalent in U.S. And so I'm, you know, thinking $10 and um, I've just felt this no. Okay, well, if somebody does something really, really good, I mean, the $10 bonuses we'll give several every month. But if somebody does something really special that builds up, blesses the business, is innovative, maybe three, five times a year, I'll give them a $100 bonus. Now, when you understand that the local salary, the average person makes between four and $500, $400 is one, $100 is one quarter of their salary. That's a pretty good bonus. So I'm thinking $100, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, no. $200? Silence. So I thought, okay, $200. Wrote a $200 bonus check for Sue. Put it in her envelopes. After all the envelopes are together, I go over, give the envelopes to Sue, and she distributes them to all the employees. So as I figured, when Sue came back to her desk, the way our offices are set up, my door is like here, and her door is right here, and we have glass walls so we can see each other, but my desk faces this way. So I turn and I watch as Sue sits down and opens her check, her check envelope, and pulls out the first check or paycheck. Oh, a second check, a bonus check. And she says, oh, $200. I just see her eyes. It's big, you know. She immediately stands up. I immediately face the wall. So she comes into my office and she says, hey, Rob, thanks for the bonus. What did I do? And I'm looking at the wall and I said, nothing. And she said, oh, come on, what did I do? And I'm still looking at the wall and I said, nothing. She said, come on, tell me, what did I do? And I turned around and I looked at her and I said, Sue, remember our discussion about grace a little while ago? Yeah. You really didn't do anything to deserve this. This is God's grace to you. And she just froze. I just see the a... <orphanalities> awkward 30 seconds, one minute. Finally, she you know felt the uncomfortableness and turned around, and went back to her office. Friday, uh, that was Friday, Monday morning. When I came into the office, first thing, she comes over to me and she says, Hey, Rob, can you get me a copy of your book? I'd like to read it. That started a journey. She had the desire. she seeks the information, and now she's stepping out in faith. And for over a year, she studied the Bible with one of the women on our team, and after about two years, we had the privilege of being there as Sue was baptized. And Ian was baptized, and her husband was baptized. The whole family was baptized. That's how it works. That's how we worship. That's how we model. We demonstrate our faith. And as we think now of Jesus' birthday. It's his party. It's his celebration. It's supposed to be all about him. But so much of the decoration. So much of the giving is really about us, isn't it? And so I want to encourage you, challenge you to think of this Christmas differently. I was thrilled that a couple of people after the last service came over and said to me, I never thought of Christmas as something I needed to give to Jesus. But what can you give of your time? Is there something that he might want you to do in the, in the word to study more, to read more, to memorize more? Or something related to prayer that he might want you to do more. Maybe just come to the 8.30 Sunday morning prayer meeting. I don't know. Or he might want you to do something with your money more. What would he have you to do? And we know that this is missions month. And we know that this is the first Sunday of giving. Many, many lives. You've seen videos. You've heard stories the last four Sundays. Many opportunities. Soar needs readers. Eagle Sports need coaches. There's many other opportunities, both for our time and our money. What would God have you to do? So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take 30 seconds. If you can bring up the slide with the question. But here's the question I want you to ask Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do? to give you for your birthday? For every present, there's a cost. Maybe your time, it may be your money. But Jesus, what do you want me to give you for his birthday? So let's take some time. Everybody bow your heads, quiet, and let's each ask Jesus, what would he have us to do?
0: But thank you for the challenge that you give us, walk faithfully with you, to give generously to you. Thank you for the journey of generosity we've been on at church for the last several years and how you've really opened our eyes to the, the beauty of generosity. want to pray that we would be faithful to hear what you want us to hear and to move where you want us to move, that we would be people marked by the idea of hear and obey, that if you're asking us to to reach out, that we would reach out. If you're asking us to make amends, we would make amends. If you're asking us to give in a particular way, that we'd be willing to give in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the group of people that met this morning and prayed for you uh, had a sense that there is a veteran in our midst that's struggling. We would love to pray uh, for them, that somebody's having some shin issues. Uh, We would love to pray for you that as well. Um, There's just an overwhelming sense that there's just a great deal of fear Um, And that if you're just struggling with fear or anxiety, uh, we would love to pray for you. So there's a couple ways that could happen. We have people that will meet with you down here that are trained to pray uh, for you. But also if you're online on your screen right now, there's a couple of phone numbers uh, that you could just call that number. And then there's people who are trained and uh, ready to meet with you and pray for you there as well. Thank you for being a part of the service today. Let's thank Rob for a wonderful message. Lord be with you as you go. Have a Merry Christmas. Hopefully we'll see you at the bonfire tonight or Christmas Eve. If you want one of Rob's books, uh, you can swing back to the information counter and have them for sale there. God bless you.